Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. But uh, one of the things that I have always really believed about Scripture, and specifically about the church and kind of teaching and preaching, is that normally we are not spiritually malnourished because we haven't heard uh, the Word of God. Normally we are spiritually malnourished because we have not applied the Word of God. Um, You can pull up to a table all day, but unless you eat, Um, it is not going to sustain you. It is not going to help you. And so one of the things that I've always tried to do, whether you utilize it or not, is to give you application questions, give you evaluation questions, even sometimes just to give you knowledge questions on the back of your handout. Today, I would encourage you, there is a lot of evaluation questions. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you a couple ways you can utilize this. Um, You can utilize it on your own by yourself. Um, You can utilize it with others. I would encourage you to find some people, um, even if it just means a FaceTime call. Maybe it's a good opportunity for a date. Like if you see someone, you're like, hey, I wouldn't mind talking to them, okay? Then you can say, you know, they gave us these questions, and I don't really have anybody to do them with. So, I mean, you're wanting to grow spiritually. I'm wanting to grow spiritually, so let's do these questions together. Or group of friends, roommates, whatever. But they are there for you to use. Now, the reason why I specifically mentioned that today is you've got about three pages of them. I know that seems like, holy cow, it makes me feel like I need to study for a test. That's not what they're there for. They are purely evaluation questions that you can take and that you can evaluate from what we're going to talk about today. They dive a little bit deeper, and I think that they help reinforce the point of what we're going to look at today. And so with that in mind, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, we'll read through these verses and we'll actually be done with the first chapter. Uh, 1 Thessalonians has uh, a few more chapters than some of the book studies that we've done, but they have shorter chapters, and so it should all kind of work its way out in the end. But today's lesson we have uh, titled, What's Your Truth? What is your truth? What's your truth? Um, And then we'll talk about that in the introduction and kind of apply it throughout the lesson. But verse number 5 says this, We did verses 1 through 4 last week. You can see that on YouTube um, or on the podcast. I think we may even have some of the handouts over there if you missed last week. Um, But what's your truth? Verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For, for, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia, Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad. That's a powerful phrase. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad. He says your faith in God, not your faith in each other, not your faith in maybe what you can accomplish, not your faith in even the church. He says your faith toward God is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. 
For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. What's your truth? I want you to go back and look at verse number five. He says this, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye have known what manner of men we were among you for your sake. He said our gospel did not come in word only. It was more than that. And so I want us to spend just a couple of minutes uh, looking at this thought of what's your truth, working through these next couple of verses, and taking and applying it to our hearts. Amen. This idea of your truth is one that you've probably maybe seen on social media, maybe you've experienced even in your own life. And the reason why we call it your truth is because for whatever reason, our society, our generation, our culture has, a, has really latched on to certain truths and we've made them our truth. We've made them personal truth. Sometimes it's because of a lifestyle that we, leave, uh, that we lead. And so we have to say, well, if this is the life that I'm going to lead, then I have to believe that this is true, whether that be right or wrong. Sometimes it's a matter of an argument. Maybe we see someone that is saying one thing and we feel the need to chime in and share our portion of truth. You look at social media today, you look at the news, you look at any really snapshot or glimpse of society, and what you'll find is that there is this battle going on over truth, over this is what I believe, this is what you believe, and so therefore we are going to duke it out, basically. Um, you can see that on Facebook feeds. You can see that when someone posts an article that is maybe controversial. You can just go through and look at the comments. Well, sometimes one of the things that I like to do is I follow our governor here in the state of Tennessee, and I like to see when he posts something, maybe it's something I agree with, maybe it's something I don't agree with, maybe it's something that he's said or that he's done or that he's putting into action. I always like to go and look at the comments, and there's a part of me that it's almost like, I hope that these people don't read the comments because there's no way you win that war. And we battle over truth. We fight over what we believe. We fight over what we think is true. And for Christians, what we understand is that we have the truth. How many of you would agree with the statement that as Christians, we have the truth? I want to actually see your hands. This is not one of those things. We have the truth, okay? We know that the truth is what makes us free. And I don't believe that as Christians we're, have, we're not having the impact we need to on society because we lack the truth. It's because we have picked up on the other truths of society and culture and we have elevated them above the truth of the Word of God. I want to repeat that because I want you to catch the principle, okay? I don't believe that as Christians we are not having an impact because we lack the truth. We have just as much of the Word of God as any other generation, okay? We hold it in our hands. We believe it. Many of you have confessed it. You've accepted it, okay? You live it out. But we are not having an impact, not because we lack the truth, but because we have elevated other truths above the truth of the Word of God. And here's what I want to show you, is that what you believe is true, what you believe is accurate, is what you will fight for. And sadly... Too many Christians today are fighting for truths that while they may be true and while they may be accurate, they do not have the ability to have the impact of the truth of the Word of God. 
if you had to sit down with someone across the table and they said, share with me one truth, I would hope that you would share with them the truth of the Word of God and the Gospel. And if we paraphrase it and we contextualize it like that, we would probably be able to knock that one out of the park. Man, someone sits down with you, hey, tell me one thing that's true. Well, uh, um, oh man, I really uh, I want to I make sure I get this right. Most of us would say, okay, I'm going to tell them about the gospel. But yet for many of us, we live our lives elevating and promoting truths that do not have the power to change anyone. And when Paul writes this to this church of 1 Thessalonians, specifically encouraging them to live in light of eternity, here's what he's saying. When we got to you, when we saw you, when we got the opportunity to meet you, we gave you one truth. We gave you the truth that was actually going to help you. We gave you the truth that was going to change you. We gave you the truth that has the power to actually change your eternity and change your life. And so here's what I want to step back and ask you today. What's your truth? What's your truth? What's your agenda in life? What do you push? What do you promote? What do you post about on social media? Who do you follow on social media? What are you listening to? What do you argue about? What stresses you out and what brings you joy? Those are some pretty clear glimpses into what you believe is true. You see, there's some people that they can see the gospel criticized all over social media and just say, well, they have the right to believe that. But you better bet as soon as someone posts something political, oh my, Well, I, I, people have the right to tear down the church. The church isn't perfect, but you better not infringe upon my liberties. Do you see where we could have possibly missed it? Do you see where we have elevated truths that ultimately do not change anyone's eternity? Did you know, I want you to listen to this, did you know that there are people that voted the same way that you voted this year in this election who believe the same thing that you believe that are going to die and go to hell? Did you know that there are people that you can stand alongside of and if you wrote down everything that you believe and you wrote down everything that you think about politics and everything that you maybe think about America, that they would co-sign it every single time but their soul will burn in hell? So let me ask you, what's the most important thing? What's your truth? What have you picked up the banner and crusaded for? What have you said, this is my truth? And you see, while we step back and we watch the world and we fight cancel culture, we're watching them cancel truths that don't ultimately matter. And you better bet that eventually there will come a time to where they will come after this truth. In fact, it's already gearing up that way. And what I don't want to see happen in my life is that I fought for every truth that didn't matter. I promoted every truth that didn't impact someone's eternity. And so because of that, I wasted my time and my breath and my life and my energy worried about truths that don't change anyone rather than promoting the one truth that does. When Paul showed up at Thessalonica, guess what? He didn't say, hey guys, five ways that you can grow your church. Hey guys, five ways that you can engage someone in this, in this awful culture. Hey guys, five ways, three ways that you can overcome persecution. No, he said, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the truth of the gospel. So what's your truth? First of all, I want you to look at three different thoughts from this passage. First of all, how the truth came. Secondly, 
we're going to look at this thought of what the truth did. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the thought of what happened because of the truth. Let's look at the first one, how the truth came, verse number five. He says this, I want you to see this with your eyes. He says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. Oh, Joel, I actually gave someone a track this week. Good, that's a good start, okay? But he said, our gospel did not come in word only. He says this, but also in the power, in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. He said, I didn't just stop with sharing the gospel. I didn't just give you the gospel with words. He says, I gave you everything that I had. I gave you the gospel with power. I gave you the gospel with the filling of the Holy Spirit. I gave you the gospel with assurance. I wanted you to know that this is what I live for. This is what I breathe for. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. The gospel is the most important thing. And so when we showed up to your city, when we showed up to talk to you, I gave it with everything that I had. I didn't just say, here's the Romans road. I guess I'm done. All right, I'm on to the next city. No, he gave it with everything that he had. He didn't give it in just word only. So how does the truth come? First of all, the truth comes in word. The truth comes in word. You must be willing to speak the truth that you say that you believe. You must be willing to speak the truth in love. You must be willing to be a uh, salt seasoned with grace, okay? You must be willing to speak it. But just speaking it sometimes is not enough. Just talking about it sometimes is not enough. There must be a life, there must be a power, there must be something behind that. The truth comes in word, but notice secondly that the truth comes in power. The truth comes in power. He says, but I also in power, not in word only. And here's sometimes what we are guilty of. We are guilty of sharing the gospel in our own power, and guess what? It has our own, it has our own problems. When we present the perfect and holy gospel in our own power, we are basically saying, this is all I got to give you, and it doesn't get much better than that. Well, when the power of God shows through in not only our lives, but in what we present and what we talk about, it has a power behind it that is so much bigger than us. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten the opportunity to share the gospel, and guess what? Maybe I wasn't into it. Maybe I was inconvenienced by it, if I'm being honest. Okay, maybe it was things that I didn't, maybe it was just at a time to where I, I wasn't feeling it, I wasn't, it wasn't whatever, and guess what? In those moments where maybe I wasn't prayed up, where I wasn't ready to share the gospel, it went flat just as much as I could make it flat. I, okay, here, yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, this would be the best decision you ever make in your life. So one, number one, here's what you need to know. Number two, here's what you need to know. Number three, okay? And guess what? I fell flat on my face, but yet there are other times to where I look back in my life and I said everything that I could have said wrong. I remember, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I remember the, other, um, the one time I, was, I got the opportunity to lead a guy to the Lord and I was praying the sinner's prayer with him. And he was, I said, you're welcome to pray by yourself. I would love to hear you pray and accept Christ as your Savior. But I said, if you struggle for words, I would be more than happy to, to pray with you. And he was like, would you kind of give me some wording and stuff? And I was like, yeah, I'd be happy to. So I said, dear Lord, and I kind of went through it. And I said in the prayer, and I've never said this again or before in my life. I said, dear God, thank you for sending uh, this man to lead me to the Lord. (laughs) And so I'm listening to a guy pray about me. And I'm like, 
And I literally even, while as he was praying it, I even said in my mind, I'm so sorry, Lord, that I said that. Because it made us like, oh, yeah, let's give Joel a crown, yeah. But guess what? There are times where I've said everything wrong, but the power of the Lord was working through me. Not because of anything that I did, but simply because I was surrendered, because maybe something I had walked with God that day. I had spent time asking Him to do something through my life. And many times we present the gospel in our own power and we wonder why it has the problems that it does. So He presented it in word, not in word only, but through power. And then He says this, the truth comes in the Holy Ghost. The truth comes in the Holy Ghost. You can present the gospel on your own. You can share the truth on your own. But it is so much more powerful when you do it with God's backing behind you. When you do it with the filling of the Holy Ghost. And then notice uh, letter D here, that the truth comes in assurance. This word assurance is speaking to its confidence. He says, I am giving this to you knowing that it's what's going to help you. I am giving this to you knowing that it's what has the power to change your life. I'm giving it to you in assurance. And then he says this, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. This is a powerful phrase, and I want to take just a second and teach you why it's so powerful. Paul says that you knew what manner of men we were among you. Paul did not roll into a city teach the gospel, preach the gospel, and then go about and say, okay, I'm going to go live however I want. Specifically in this passage, I want you to listen to the background of this. Paul in Thessalonica actually restarted some of his tent-making business, a lot of people believed. Because this new church was not at a point to where they could sustain him financially. And so Paul, he actually alludes to it in chapter 2, we'll see that. Paul took his own financial stability upon himself. And so when he writes this, many people believe that he's writing it saying, you knew how we acted. People were going about during that time and they were saying that the people who preached the gospel were just there to gather money and gather funds and maybe Thessalonica had even experienced that on their own. And Paul said, you know that I did not come into your town and do that. I didn't use you to benefit myself financially. I preached the gospel to you, period. And your testimony, your life sometimes can destroy or help anything that God is doing in someone else's life. If you use the gospel as something to benefit yourself personally in their life, to maybe use it to benefit yourself financially, to benefit yourself relationally, whatever, when you use it, as a crutch for yourself, then guess what? You've missed the point of it. And your lifestyle can destroy, your testimony can destroy anything that God is doing. But on the other hand, it also can benefit it. It can help it. It can further that along. Hey, this person who shared the gospel with me, they're the real deal. They're not using this for just for themselves. They're not making me a notch in their belt. They genuinely want to help me. So I want you to notice the application here. How you give the truth of the gospel is just as important as the truth you are sharing. Look at your life. What does it say about the gospel? When given an opportunity to share the gospel, how do you give the truth? There's an evaluation of that at the close of your lesson that you can do this week. But then notice number two, and we'll hurry along. What the truth did. So how the truth was given, and then what the truth did. I want you to look at verse number six. He says this, 
And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. So what the truth did, he says, we gave the truth, you accepted it, this is what it did. Notice, first of all, the truth created followers. The truth created followers. Here's the type of followers it created. First of all, it created followers of truth givers. I want you to see this in the passage. He says, and you became followers of of us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 verse 1, he says, "Be followers of me even as I also am of Christ." I want to take more time to expound on this, but let me just give you a little 30-second teaching on this, okay? Be a follower of those who give you truth, not just those who give you what you want to hear. Be a follower of those who give you truth, not just those who give you what you want to hear. We all can fall in love with someone who tells us everything we want to hear. But guess what? That doesn't always mean that that's true. And sometimes when we talk about following men and following others, here's what we do. is We go and find someone who sounds and believes and talks exactly like what we do, or maybe even fixes some of our problems and tells us, every, tells us justifies everything. But then there's times to where we need to hear the truth, and guess what? We can't receive it because all we've done is we've listened to someone flatter us up. We've listened to someone tell us how good we are. We've listened to someone tell us, oh, no, that's okay. That's completely justified. And then when we're actually confronted with truth, we can't receive it because now all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know what to do with that. And in your spiritual life, follow those who give you truth. If you are following someone who's giving you more opinion than Bible, then you need to step back and, and evaluate that. If you're following someone who never contradicts anything in your life, then you need to step back and evaluate that. I actually saw, I'm not going to quote who it was, but I actually saw a pastor who everybody and their brother throws stones at, and someone had retweeted him this week. And I was actually shocked at the words that he said. He said, if your view of God never changes anything about you, then you're not following God, you're just following a godly version of yourself. I'm not going to tell you who it was, because the truth is, is he gets 99% of everything else wrong, and I'm actually shocked that he said that 1% of something good, okay? But it was amazing to me because there were all these people that it's like, like he, he has the platform to where he shouldn't say stuff like that. I can say stuff like that and none of you get mad, okay? But he has the platform to where no one, he shouldn't be allowed to say that. But it is so true that many times we create this version of God where everything agrees, I'm good, I'm okay, like this, this is who I am, this is what it feels like. This is, and so we create this and all we're doing is we're creating a godly version of ourselves. Essentially, we've made an idol of God out of ourselves. So create or uh, created followers of truth, followers of truth givers. So follow those who are willing to tell you the truth, but then secondly, the truth created followers of the Lord created followers of the Lord, the verse says that. If you are following someone who is not following Christ, be wary of what they are telling you. I can't tell you how many times that the people who are the most critical in ministry are the ones who are doing very little for God. Does that mean that their criticism holds no weight? That's not what I'm saying. There's negative criticism that holds weight. Okay, But here's what I'm saying. Carnal people have a hard time wrapping their mind around spiritual things. And so if someone wants to tell you how to live your life and how to, how to follow God, but yet they can't show up to church, you need to doubt that. 
If someone wants to tell you this is what you need to do in your dating relationship or in your marriage or whatever, and they can't live in accordance to the Bible with their own spouse, you need to grow weary, grow weary of that. You need to doubt that. And you need to make sure that those that you are seeking and following after are giving you truth, but are following the Lord for themselves and walking with God for themselves. Notice then secondly, that the truth was received. The truth was received. I love the way that Paul puts this in verse number 6. He says, having received the word in much affliction. I want you to see here in your notes, because i got to fly through the rest of this, it is not your responsibility to receive the truth for, your some, for somebody, but it is your responsibility to give them the opportunity to receive it. I want to repeat that because I want you to get the weight of it. It is not your responsibility to receive the truth for somebody, but it is your responsibility to give them the opportunity to receive it. And sometimes what we do is we don't share the truth, we don't share the gospel because, well, I, don't, I just don't know if they're going to believe me. It's not your job for them to believe you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's your job to give them the opportunity to believe. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Romans chapter number 10 teaches us. Paul says this in Romans 1. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So how is the truth received? The, first of all, the truth was received in affliction. Secondly, the truth was received with joy from the Holy Spirit. I want to take just a second and give this to you, okay, and, and share this with you. When he says the truth was received in affliction, many times when people are the most susceptible to the gospel, open to the gospel, is when they've reached the top and found it to be empty, and when they've reached the bottom and found it to be lacking. I want to say that again. When they've reached the top and found it to be empty, and when they've reached the bottom and found it to be lacking. Where do I turn? And he says that these people were in much affliction. If we go historically, what we will understand is they didn't start to experience persecution. So I don't think he's referring to affliction as persecution. I think that there was maybe something going on in that area. They were searching. They were in much affliction. And so now, he says, you received the word and you received it with joy. To evaluate uh, your truth, look at the results of those who believe it. What does your truth produce in others if they believe it? If your truth only changes someone politically, then you've missed it. If your truth only changes someone on maybe a hot topic, then you've missed it. But if your, if your truth that you preach and that you teach and that you, that you live for has the power to change someone's eternity, then wouldn't you say that that is something that is worth telling them? Then thirdly, and we'll be done, what happened because of the truth? We're going to fly through these, okay? What happened because of the truth? Verses 7 through 10. We already read through them. I'm going to give you, uh, what is letter E? That would be five. Okay, there's five letters there. All right, I'm going to give you five things that occurred because of the truth. First of all, the example was set. The example was set. He says that in verse number seven. He says, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia. He said, you guys set the example for how everyone else is going to live. You set an example. What example have you set since accepting Christ as your Savior? What example have you set? Is there anyone following you? Is there anyone, and when I talk about followers, I'm not talking about is, how many people do you have following you on Instagram, okay? Is there anybody who, because of how you've lived your life, they're beginning to question, they're beginning to change, they're beginning to say, okay, I want to know more about what God's done in your heart. I want to know more about what God's doing in your life. The example was set. Secondly, the word was sounded. The word was sounded. He says in verse number eight, 
For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. He says, the word of the Lord went forward. Who have you talked to this week about what God's doing in your heart? You know what I find sometimes is that when I'm around Christians, I'm amazed at how little we talk about God. I'm amazed by it. Some of you that maybe are dating or you're starting to date, if the person that you are starting to date can't talk about God, then there needs to be a conversation about, hey, what's God doing in your heart? What's God doing in your life? I know sometimes it's uncomfortable to talk about that with with unsaved people, okay? But guess what? When you spend time with Christians, God should be a very natural part of your conversation. God should be something that comes up just in your day-to-day lives. So the example was set. The word was sounded. Thirdly, the faith was spread. He says, your faith toward Godward. Your faith toward Godward is spread abroad. He said, to the point that we don't even have to speak anything. When we show up, everyone's talking about how, how much faith Thessalonica has. When we show up, everyone already knows what, what God's doing there. Then number four, the turning was seen. This is so powerful. Look at verse number 9. He says, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how we turned, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. How ye turned to God from idols. If your Christianity has not caused you to turn away from anything, then you need to evaluate whether it's Christianity. God has a way of displacing the things in our lives that don't belong there. You've heard my dad probably say it in a service a thousand times, the illustration about him giving an invitation in Thailand and then turning it over to the missionary and the missionary basically standing up and there's all these people that are around the altar and he makes the statement, he says, if you came up here to just add Jesus to your idols, I want you to turn around and go back to your seat. My dad said, he was like, there was a part of me that was like, no, no. <laughs> Like, so many people up here like that. But he said the missionary, I asked the missionary afterwards, and he said, if you don't say that, they'll just add God along with everything else. And if Christianity has not caused you to turn away from anything, then you need to step back and evaluate the abundant Christian life that you have. You need to evaluate your Christianity. You need to evaluate what God is doing in your life. It's interesting to me that sometimes as Christians we can fall so deeply into sin. What did we do? Just skip over the red flags along the way? Were we not walking in the Spirit anytime? Okay? So he says that there was a turning, and then the last thing is this the waiting begins. The waiting begins. I just closed my Bible, but I need to find it. Okay? Look at verse number uh, 10. He says, After that, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which is delivered us from the wrath to come. He says, now that you're saved, begin preparing for heaven. Here's what I want to close with. Truth of some sort. Your truth flows through you. Your truth flows through you. What you believe. Do you want to know the reason why it's so easy to rally people right now in society and in culture? Because everybody believes something. And if you're not careful, you will take in 
everything. And eventually, that truth will be passed along to someone. And here's one of the reasons why I think we've elevated far inferior truths above the superior truth of the Word of God. is because we've stopped taking so much truth from God's Word in, and we've consumed ourselves with truth from everywhere else. We go and we find people who talk like us and walk like us, and so because of that, we, are, we believe the same things, and we have this little echo chamber of truth. And we never stop and say, what's the truth that I should be promoting right now? What's the truth that I should be presenting? And what would the world look like if Christians begin to rally around one single truth? What would happen to our world if we begin to say the gospel is the greatest truth that we can give? I'm not going to spend my time trying to promote other things, even though they may be true and they may be right. There's only one truth that changes someone's eternity. There's only one truth that changes someone's day-to-day life, and that's the gospel. So here's what my challenge is to you, okay? Look at what you talked about last week. This is all in your evaluation. Look at what you posted last week. Look at who you follow. Look at what you're following. Look at what you're listening to. And that will tell you what your truth is. And there's some of us in this room today that we need to step back and we need to say, man, I am living for the wrong truth. If the truth of the gospel is as good as we say it is, why would we ever hold that back from anyone? I've got one minute to give you one illustration. How many of you ever heard of Penn and Teller? Penn and Teller, okay. Um, I'm not sure which one's which. I don't. I just know their names go together. Okay. Um, whichever one the guy. I wish I would have downloaded the video. Whichever one the guy is with the long hair. Okay. Um, he had someone after a show. He actually made a vlog about it. This is when vlogging was cool. Okay. <laughs> Before social media, and um, someone showed it to me years ago, and he said I had a strange experience after my show uh, today. I had a man walk up to me and hand me a Bible and say, this will tell you how to know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, how to know for sure that you're, you'll have, you can have eternity in heaven and never have to spend a day in hell. And he said, I had never had anybody tell me those things. He said, he handed me a Bible, and he actually was looking at it, and he says, it has something called the plan of salvation in it. Um, I think he alludes or refers to that. And um, anyways, he, he ends up just, you can tell that he's bothered throughout the whole thing. He keeps running his hand through his hair, and, and he keeps just rubbing his head. And he keeps saying, I've never had anybody do that. I've never had anybody do that. He says, it's the strangest thing ever. It was a weird occurrence. And he just kind of keeps referring to how weird it was. And he said, he made a statement from a lost person. He made this statement. He said, I guess one of the problems that I have with Christianity is this is that if that is true and your eternity is determined between heaven and hell, why did it take so long for one person to tell me that? And he goes on to say, why would you that? He said, if that is true and you believe it, why would you spend your time wasting it on anything other than telling people that. That's not God. That's not Joel. That's a lost person. 
And it's interesting to me that we can come to grips with that in the, in the health world. We can come to grips with that in maybe our finances. We can come to grips with that in our politics. We can come to grips with that in relationships. That if this is true, then I need to tell everyone else about it. But why can't we come to grips with it with the gospel? Why can't we say that that's what my life is about? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray and we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.